Welcome to the Keep Birth Wild podcast. My name is Indy and through this series I'll be speaking to women who plan to birth their babies at home. Join me to hear home birth mothers sharing their stories of pregnancy, birth and postpartum. In today's episode, I'm chatting to Tony about the births of her two children, Arrow and Micah. Tony planned to birth Arrow at home, but after a long posterior labor and four hours of pushing at home, she then transferred to hospital and Arrow was born by a C-section. For Micah's birth, Tony again planned a home birth and she shares the story of her beautiful healing VBAC. I think you're all going to really love hearing about these births, so I'll go ahead and let Tony share her story. Hi, Tony. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Would you like to start by sharing a little bit about yourself and your family? Sure. Uh, my name's Tony. I have two children, a five and a three-year-old. Their names are Arrow and Micah, and I live in the southwest of Western Australia with my husband, and we have a few animals, and yeah. Mm, we have moved around a lot, so you'll probably cover that in my birth story. Yeah, lovely. Well, um, yeah, we might go back to the start with Arrow. Whereabouts were you living with him and did you plan to conceive when you did? Arrow is a girl. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, it's a very gender-neutral name. I, um, we were living in Victoria at the time. We brought a house in the ghetto in Norlane. We had planned to conceive Arrow. I think it was maybe a few months after we got married. We're kind of keen just to, like, get the ball rolling on having kids. So we had had a chat and thought we would try but not intentionally try. So, like, just remove all the contraception and just see what happens kind of trying. Mm. And did it take long for you guys? Um, I... I think it took around three months and I remember getting quite disheartened and being like, because I, but at the same time we had thought it could take years, like you just never know. But um, I can remember being disappointed for at least three months every time I got my period. But it did not take long. Three months is not a long time. Mm. It can feel like so long though when you're in the moment. Yeah, I don't think you're prepared for the disappointment. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and so how did you feel when you did find out that you are pregnant? I can remember just being really excited and just wanting to tell everyone but also being really, like, unsure of whether I, like, um, obviously when I did the pregnancy, the home pregnancy test, I'm pretty sure I did a fair few of those, like, way too many. And then I was, like, unsure of trusting in those. So I went to get a blood test and... um. The doctor I went to was really terrible and my test, he made me do a urine test and it came back negative and he was like, shall we pop the champagne? (laughs) It was really awful. And I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure I'm pregnant. I've done like five tests at home. And he was like, no, and he refused to give me a blood test. So I went to another doctor that day and got a blood test, which came back positive and it was fine. So after that, I was really excited. Oh, that would have been a horrible day with a good ending, I suppose. But, oh, it, was, it wasn't that great, no. Yeah. And how was that pregnancy? Did you get any morning sickness or any other symptoms come up? Um, the first eight weeks were really great. And about eight weeks I got really sick, like horrifically sick. <laughs> and I was sick until about maybe 16 weeks. So I had like eight weeks of some horrendous throwing up and morning sickness and just tiredness and I don't really think I was prepared for that. I was like, I can remember journaling that pregnancy was the worst experience that I've had so far in my life. <laughs> oh. Because <laughs> I, was, I was obviously feeling very dramatic at this point. But um, once I hit past the 16 weeks, everything was great. Like once I wasn't nauseous, I had no issues with like my body or feeling uncomfortable or sleeping or anything. So just the just the morning sickness, like the all day sickness for that eight weeks, which was pretty intense. Yeah, and the exhaustion 
and nausea just it really hits you doesn't it it's so full-on yeah and when you have to work like when you don't want to have like working and you're just trying to function like a normal human and I didn't want to take any medications for it or anything like that so it was a rough eight weeks mm. and did you so you planned a home birth with Arrow did you how did you sort of come to that decision had you had friends who had a home birth or yeah I guess I'm assuming that the GP didn't suggest it for you no, no. He definitely turned me off doctors. I actually have never been much of a doctor person. My mum had five caesareans. So um, I was always quite terrified of birth. But as soon as I was pregnant, I wasn't scared anymore. because I was like, oh, well, you're going to have to deal with it anyway. And I had just never liked hospitals, the smell of them. Every time I was in them, they made me really uncomfortable. So I had... Um, looked into alternate ways to birth, like birth houses and things. And I waited quite late in my pregnancy. I think I would have been like, I don't know, 15 or 16 weeks. And I ended up finding the um, local Geelong um, midwife house and realising that you could have a private home birth midwife, which I actually hadn't really looked into before, even thinking about getting pregnant. It was, it was very, like, random. I can't say that I put a huge amount of thought into it pre like, prior to being pregnant, just that I didn't want to end up having a caesarean and then having five caesareans like my mum. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Did you look at kind of a variety of options or you just met with them and then just um, I, decided straight away? I am so not that type of person. I, like, met with the first midwife and I was like, yep, cool. Um, I'm not very organised, so doing the least amount of, like, filtering through things seemed really good for me at the time. So I just picked the first midwife I spoke to and she was, like, chill and I was like, oh, yeah, she sounds fine, it'll be all good. Yeah. And apart from not having a caesarean, did you have any idea about what you wanted to the birth to look like or um, who you wanted to be in your birth team? No, like, none at that point. In fact, I don't actually... Um, I had obviously, like, watched home births by this point and I just was watching them kind of without pinning my own hopes to them. I had a very um, – I was the first in my friend group to have kids and then I obviously had a mum that had five caesareans who was very like, you're going to die, <laughs> mm. um, in the nicest way. Like, I don't think her intention was to be, like, unsupportive. I think she was just worried. And so I had kind of just – gotten used to telling everyone like I don't have any expectations like what happens will happen like I'm starting at home and hoping that I stay there but I, you know who knows what will happen and I think that stopped me from maybe making too many plans mm. I didn't really ever have a birth plan with Arrow just yeah. a midwife and yeah and did they offer any kind of birth education or did you do any private external classes um, at the birth house, they do offer classes at the birth house that you can enroll in. The the um the, the price of the home birth and the financial situation we were in at the time was kind of a stretch for us. So kind of getting my husband on board for, like, paying for the home birth and the private midwife and then paying quite a bit on top to do birthing course wasn't really on the cards. But in saying that, I'm not really someone that, has ever thought that I'd want to go go to one of those anyway. So I can't particularly say that it was just because he didn't want to pay for it. It was more that I just didn't really think I needed it. Mm. And did you, apart from kind of watching birth videos, did you do any other preparation yourself or, or you know, read any resources about labour and birth? I um, was recommended a book by my midwife, by Rhea Dempsey, um, I can't remember the name of the book, but I remember starting it off and not really liking it. And I just want to say now that I've read it since then and I do really like it. But at the time I was like, ugh, it's too serious. And I went on to read um, Spiritual Midwifery by Ina May Gaskin. And I was like, oh, yeah, all well, this, like, really lighthearted laughing the baby out, it's more me. And I, <laughs> I, read, I read through that and was, like, getting all wrapped up in the whole, like, not necessarily the orgasmic birth because I didn't really, I'm not, I kind of had felt that I wouldn't want to be touched like by people during 
display because I don't really like affection like by our people. So I was like, oh, I liked I liked the very natural, raw, like anime Gaskin style of writing, and that's really the only book I read during my pregnancy about birth and pregnancy. Mm. Beautiful. And then heading into the labour, how did things get started for you? Oh, well, I remember I was 40 weeks and nine, maybe less than nine days because I was in labour for ages. So it would have been like 40 weeks and seven days. And I went into pre-labour at about eight o'clock at night watching medium and I can just remember like nothing like too uncomfortable just I've had I didn't have any Braxton Hicks before this point so I'd kind of had thought like oh maybe it's just Braxton Hicks but I had walked up a bunch of like local mountains and things like trying to get things happening um and so that's so that kicked off at 40 plus seven days and then it just continued in like quite a consistent manner, my pre-labour was like my contractions were like 10 minutes, 7 minutes, 5 minutes, and they were really quite intense. Um, I later found out that arrow was posterior, so I had quite a lot of back pain, and that went for three days, the pre-labour, and like no sleep. And I can remember being quite impatient at this point and a little bit lost as to like, does this happen? Is this supposed to go on for so, so long? Mm. Were your midwives coming to your house to check on you throughout those three days? On the third day, my midwife um, was really, she was super hands-off and had mentioned that she has a very, like, hands-off approach to care and that she just lets the mother do what she intuitively thinks. And, of course, me being very, un, you know, unfazed and unorganised, I think, thought that that would be a perfect fit for me. Um, but I can remember feeling really like, I guess, uninformed because <laughs> I would call or ask and she would be like, oh, you know, you don't know, like you don't know, everyone's different. And I didn't really have any information because I hadn't done any research or I didn't know what to expect with like pre-labor and things like that. So I, um, she came over on the third day because I insisted that she come and I was feeling really, I think I was like in the bath and my hair was really knotty and I was trying to brush it. I was feeling really overwhelmed and really like, I can't believe I'm not even in labour yet. <laughs> and um, I had asked her to come round and she had suggested getting uh, maybe um, acupuncture, I think, at the time to just try and get me to get some sleep of some rest and some more, like, consistent rhythm in my contractions. Mm. Oh, hello? Oh, no, I'm still here. Oh, good. Sorry, you just went really quiet. Um, <laughs> so I lost it. No, that's all right. Um, yeah, so did you try the acupuncture that she suggested? Yes, but before the acupuncture, I'm quite an impatient person. Well, I can be quite impatient, and I thought, like, I just Googled some, like, stuff to get the labour moving and I had tried the castor oil. Ah, okay, um, yeah. That's a doozy decision <laughs> if anyone wants to try the castor oil. It didn't give me a baby but I think it was just, like, made me really crampy and uncomfortable and and then I got the acupuncture person to come round and that, that was actually so lovely. I hadn't slept in, like, three days and I was able to lie down and just rest even though I didn't really sleep. It gave me like a lot of, it actually took a lot of pressure out of my back and just gave me like an hour of just, I don't know, feeling restful, which was everything. Mm. And had you thought about whether you wanted to have any cervical checks during your labour? No, I can just remember clearly wanting no interventions at all. But then when I think about acupuncture and castor oil, I, I like they're mild interventions anyway. So I hadn't asked for any cervical checks or anything. Yeah. And, um, yeah, after you'd had the acupuncture and had a little bit of a rest, how did things progress from there? Still the same, which was really disheartening. And then we ended up, my midwife ended up recommending a homeopath um, to come around. So there was quite a lot of people coming in and out of my space, which actually I, I like in hindsight, my labour used to just stop when people came into my house. Or like I had friends come over as well. Um, a good reason to do your research. 
But um, I, yeah, the homeopath came over and gave me, I can't remember what she gave me, some things to help kick off, like get my labour more into active labour and less into pre-labour. And after I, after she came round, I think things started ramping up then and I had like maybe, well, if you don't have cervical checks, I guess you don't really know, but maybe my contractions are a little bit more consistent. I'm pretty sure my midwife does not do cervical checks unless like really requested by the mother. Yeah. Yeah, but that seems to be fairly common, I think. Yeah, it's a super common thing. And, I, yeah, so I had not asked for them. And I think my contractions after the homeopath had become a little bit more consistent. Yeah, sure. And, yeah, once they picked up a little bit, sort of what, what techniques were you using to manage the pain? Did you, I guess you were sort of, sounds like you were feeling a bit unprepared. Had you sort of got some tools in your tool belt to help you cope with the contractions? Um, I have quite a high pain threshold, so other than, like, a lot of back pressure, I found it really hard to walk around. But once I stopped trying to, because I'd read a bit, like, a blogs or, like, people's birth stories about movement in birth, and once I stopped trying to move around a bit and just found, like, really steady places, like sitting on a bouncing ball and, like, leaning myself over the couch, label was super manageable. It was only when I like tried to move around that things got really, yeah, I don't know. It just, it just I just couldn't walk properly, and it was because Ara was posterior and like right in my back. Mm. So how many how many days has it been now since the pre labor started? It sounds like you've gone a long time without much sleep. Yeah, well, it was three full days of that type of you know that type of pre labor, and then at the end of the third day during the night is when I probably went into what you would call active labour and I spent a lot of that night sitting on the bouncy ball, but it was still 22 hours from that point. Wow, yeah. And at what point did um, you call the midwives to come? Uh, I think my midwife came around that night after the homeopath had gone and I'd had a few hours with just me and Jasper and um, she rocked up at the night. And I had a student midwife as well who was really awesome and I really wanted to have a student there. Um, yeah, and she just came around during that night. Would have been like maybe 9 o'clock or 8 o'clock. Yeah, okay. And you've said that your active labour was around like 22 hours. Do you want to talk us through what you can remember of that time? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I know... People say it all the time, but I feel like labor is so timeless. Mm. I feel like you're just really in the zone. I remember spending the first night pretty much like most of the night on the bouncy ball and like leaning over my couch and just getting into this like rhythm and breathing through my contractions. And I found it pretty manageable. And I was just, to be honest, I remember just feeling stoked that I was like, all right, this is going to get somewhere. Like it wasn't pre-labour anymore and it was like on the path to somewhere. And then I think during the day, the next day in the morning, we decided to fill up the pool, the birth pool that we had set up. So my husband filled that up and I things are getting pretty intense in the morning and I remember jumping in the pool and I remember spending way too much time in there, like so much time in there, and I didn't really want to get out. And my midwife, she's really gentle, and obviously she said she doesn't like to interfere with um, a mother's process. And she had suggested being like, oh, maybe you should get out, and I had been like, nope, and it kind of had left it at that. And I actually just had no idea that when you're in the water, like, it slows down your labour if you're not kind of ready to get in there. And so that definitely probably slowed things down. And I would have been in there for hours, like a long time. Mm. Yeah, a long time. And I got out after hours, after hours of being in there and I finally got out. And I think my midwife had asked me if I wanted to sit on the toilet because it might help because I was having so much pain in my back which at that point she said, oh, I think I think your baby might be posterior. It looks like a posterior labour. And she offered me water injections. I think that's what they're called. Yeah. So um, 
I had a few of those. They were pretty bardy. I was, like, getting stung by a wasp <laughs> in the back. Did they but help? they helped. Yeah, they, were, they helped actually a lot. So I had um, a few rounds of those during the next few hours, and they were actually really great for my back pain. And, you know, getting over the whole, like, needle in the back thing was fine too. And, um, yeah, sorry, I'm a bit lost. No, that's all right. <laughs> um, did your midwife, I mean, at what point, I guess, did were you sort of conscious of the time and that it was getting on a bit or unsure or did somebody, did the midwife suggest that maybe, um, yeah, things weren't going as they should? My midwife was so quiet. Like I can just remember thinking like, um, being like, oh, like everything's fine, she's not saying anything. Um, and, it, and at that point it was like, you know, my labour, I, I don't have textbook labours. They're not, my contractions are never very consistent. Um, and I think that, you know, she was just watching and things were progressing even though it was progressing slowly. And I think when we got to, once I had sat on the toilet for a while and because I had um, a lot of back pain and I think with posterior babies, I didn't actually know this till after, is that you can feel like pushing a lot before you actually need to push. Mm. Um, Or the pressure makes you feel like you need to push your pressure on your back. So I hadn't remembered kind of being like, oh, I think I feel like pushing in my midwife being like, oh, cool. Um, she's like, well, like, go on if that's what you feel like doing. And I started squat pushing, you know, with the um, baby carriers, the, like, big wraps. I had, like, a four-poster bed and I had um, used my wrap to, like, bear down with. And I did this for, like, three and a half hours. <laughs> a long time. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then she called the second midwife a little bit into my pushing. So maybe my second midwife got there at about three and a half hours into the pushing and um, she, they got me to lie down at this point because they were like, you've been pushing for a really long time. And I had asked her to break my waters because my waters hadn't broken yet. And I was, like, clearly very tired and getting impatient at this point. So I was like, I asked her to check my cervix and also to break my waters if they weren't broken. And she wasn't really that keen on doing that, but she did end up doing that for me. And, she, and when she um, did the cervix checks, I was fully dilated, and she could put her hand in and see where the baby's head was. Like Arrow's head was not far away. So we did a little bit more pushing, like another half an hour, I think. And then my second midwife, I can remember seeing them quite often um, being discreet, but I can vividly remember them like walking away and whispering. And I was thinking like, oh, <laughs> in the back of my mind, I can remember thinking, oh, something's, something's not right. Or like they're, they're kind of talking about what to do and then they did come and suggest that maybe I might need some sort of assistance and that we should probably go into the hospital at this point. How did you feel when they said that to you? To be honest, I was like, I'm a really go-with-the-flow person and I didn't really get upset. I was like, okay, if you think so. <laughs> And, I mean, I think you've gathered that I'm a very unprepared person at this point and I hadn't packed a hospital bag or anything. And, in fact, we, me and my husband were like, let's just get in the car and drive. <laughs> Didn't even call an ambulance. And my midwife was like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, meet, we'll meet you at the hospital. At this point, my poor student midwife had gone home. Bless her. <laughs> Um, <laughs> she must have been exhausted. <laughs> oh, I felt so bad for her. I was like, sorry. Um, but we got in the car and I just can remember thinking like, thinking as we were walking out the door in my like very drenched gross T-shirt and very messy pair of um, harem pants that like, oh, we'll just pause. Like everything will just pause while we drive to the hospital, which is only like 10 minutes away or five minutes away. And then getting the involuntary pushing and being like, oh, <laughs> it's not um, it's not going to stop. And so I had been on all fours. I couldn't even sit in the seat. I was just on like kneeling on all fours on the back of the car seat um, for what felt like a long time, even though it was only 10 minutes, kind of dealing with this involuntary pushing, which I had no idea about. So you hadn't experienced the involuntary pushing at, 
went previously no, when you were still at because home. I was really like in my head in the pushing in that four hours. I was, I think I was just trying to, when I look back, I think I was just, I'm a bit like, I like to control things and be in control. And I think I was just really controlling the whole like pushing thing and not letting my body do it. And I also don't think I was ready to push when I started. I think it was just that posterior pressure and I just didn't know. Mm. But yes. Wow. Yeah. So how did things unfold once you made it to hospital? Um, We got to hospital and up until that point, I was like, you know, laughing about things and like just, just taking everything in good humour. But as soon as we got to the hospital, I just felt like, all right, this is this is the this is where my uh, my control is at its limits, <laughs> and I can remember just just let, letting go of control a little bit and like losing it a little bit. So I found it really hard to walk from the car into the hospital because I was having these like really intense involuntary pushing, like pretty much like back to back. So I like couldn't walk properly and couldn't get a break. And then once I finally got through the doors, the hospital staff were so lovely and so great. I hadn't booked in because I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to fill out the forms and, like, book in as a backup or whatever. And they were so lovely and really fast and, like, got me into a room really quickly. And my midwife at this point kind of just, she I know she stayed, but she kind of just disappeared. And I think she felt very uncomfortable in the hospital. She does only home births. And I think, I don't know, I can remember feeling like she'd given up at that point. <laughs> at that point. So I can, I remember lying on the bed and just being, being with it enough to say, like, I don't want to have a cesarean. And, like, kind of making that known that that was my, like, absolute last option. And the doctor had said to me, look, the baby seems okay, might be a little bit distressed and that they would give me a spinal tap just in case and they would try faucet delivery before they went to a caesarean. But in the case that it didn't work, they would have preferred to have given me a spinal tap first because it would have to be a rushed emergency caesarean. And I had just been like, I can remember just saying no lots, but not to the doctor, just no to the involuntary pushing and just being like, whatever at that point I I didn't really have anyone advocating for me at that point and I think my husband was like so tired and also didn't do much birth prep so I had no idea what to do and my midwife I don't she she had really stepped back at this point as someone that was just waiting to see what had happened so I got the spinal tap which was actually I can remember um that going in and just like when it had gone in, just slapped laughing <laughs> because there was so much relief mm. from the involuntary pushing, but also being so tired, being so aware of how tired I was and saying to Jasper, like, please don't let me fall asleep. <laughs> like, I don't want to oh. fall asleep and, like, miss because I was so tired. I'd been, like, four days of no sleep. So I was just like, please don't let me fall asleep and, like, miss my baby. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't um, heard of that happening yet, but maybe it has. <laughs> no, I just remember just just really suddenly being really aware of how tired I was and I hadn't been up until that point. Mm. Um, and then he did try and deliver her with forceps and I'm really lucky that he didn't, like, give me an episiotomy or anything. Um, but she was so jammed at this point. She was posterior and tilted, so, like, jammed up in my pelvis. And I'd been pushing her for, like, so long into that, <laughs> into my pelvis. I felt so bad later when I saw all the dents in her head. Um, So I ended up, he ended up saying, like, look, I'm really sorry, but you're going to have to have um, a cesarean. And I was at that point, I was like, thanks, mate. Thanks for trying. That's okay. Let's let's do that. And it was, like, ten minutes later. <laughs> Like, it just strikes me as the oddest thing how quick cesareans are because, mm. like, going from, like, the longest labour and the longest pushing to, like, holding a baby in my hands, like, well, not in my hands because I couldn't use my hands very well, but, like, holding a baby or having my baby in, like, 10 minutes was really crazy. Yeah, that would have been quite a shock. How Did they just lift her up and put her straight on your chest or how was she coping? 
Yeah, I can. She was fine. Arrow was fine. Like when they pulled her out, she was like, I can remember thinking like, oh, she's got the little mouldy nose, because <laughs> <laughs> and her head was like, other than the dents, it was just she was just really cute and. I was glad that I was awake because I was just feeling so tired. But as soon as I saw her, I was definitely awake. <laughs> and, um, yeah, do you want to just talk through a little bit of what your recovery and the first few hours after the cesarean were like? Were you able to do delayed cord clamping or um, hold on to her? I had been really persistent about having her. They made, um, They had said that she needed a vitamin K um, injection due to being an emergency cesarean and I probably would have said no if I was a little bit more with it but I was like at this point I just didn't have the arguing in but I had insisted that my husband go with her so he went with her to do that and I'm pretty sure they cut the cord straight away um, and I just was too out of it to like advocate for myself in that because I had wanted to do delayed cord camp- clamping and after the vitamin K shot came back, I held, I had just held her straight away and just did skin on skin and just did breastfeeding. And you got, you kind of sit in like an interim room after an emergency cesarean and I was there for like maybe an hour before they put me into a different room. And I just remember just, just eating arrow and just feeling really grateful and really happy. And I didn't feel, like, very traumatised or anything in those few hours or any time, actually, after my birth. Um, I checked myself out of hospital, like, fairly fast because I really don't like hospitals. And I refused all my pain medication, which I later really regretted. (laughs) Yeah, I can't even imagine how tough that would be. I mean, it's a big surgery to have. Yeah, as I said, I'm, I was really unprepared and I did not do any research. So I was kind of like, oh, it'll be fine. Like I didn't even really, like didn't really sink in that I'd had major surgery. So I checked out after a day and went home and then I'd refused all the pain meds and and then I started feeling like I was on fire and thought, oh, I don't think I can do it. How were those first few days at home for you? And did your home birth midwife continue to provide your postnatal care? Yeah, my my midwife. Um, uh, I think with private, most private midwifery, you get six weeks of care afterwards. And I think the first four days they come over every day. And I, I think from checking out of hospital, going home, I was so happy to be home. Like the moment I like walked in my front door, aside from the pain because of my refusing the pain meds, I can just remember feeling like super happy, super relaxed and I just kept looking at her and being like, you know what, like how can anyone be devastated? Like I've got this perfect child and I was in a real real bubble. <laughs> and um, I do remember my midwife coming and I think she had tried to in the best intention possible, maybe like not used to me, how I operate with things, but she had been kind of trying to push me to grieve maybe or maybe just trying to get me to to be a little bit like to, um, to get feelings coming out about my home birth, you know, not going to plan, but I just didn't feel it at the time. I just felt really happy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so she came over for that first four days and then every week for the six weeks. Yeah. And how did you go with breastfeeding with um, well, her? Um, breastfeeding was so hard. I, again, did no reading and I was kind of like, oh, it's like the easiest thing ever. Like it's a nipple and a mouth. Like how hard can it be? Um, which is obviously my approach to the whole, the entire birth and everything. And I do realise that now in hindsight I was like, education's good. Um, (laughs) But my breastfeeding journey was so excruciatingly painful. I had two weeks of just like crying and breastfeeding like every time I fed Arrow and bleeding, cracked nipples, just the worst. But I had been very determined (laughs) that, like, I would get this, I would, you know, I had, I just really was like, this is something I can control and I will control it. 
And um, I was really lucky after I had lact- lactation consultants come around and nothing kind of helped. And then um, I think my nipples just toughened up after a few weeks and things were great after that. Mm. And, um, yeah, I guess I'm just curious to know about I've never had a cesarean before, so I don't know what the recovery is like, but how was that for you? And was there a point where, yeah, you said you wish that you took the pain medication. Did you end up going back and getting anything or, yeah, how was that for you? Yes, about like maybe it was the second day I was at home. I My whole throat had filled up with ulcers and I was in like, I was in such chronic pain and I had kind of been like, oh, you're a wuss, like, just get over it. And then someone came over and was like, dude, you just had major surgery. And I was like, oh. And it kind of made me think, like, yeah, I just had major surgery. And I can remember sending my husband that day to go and get all the prescriptions and things. And I could, when he got home and I took the pain medication, I was like, I can still vividly remember the feeling of, like, someone pouring thick, peaceful honey, like, over your head and it just, like, melting over my whole body and being like, oh, this is what it feels like to not be in agony. <laughs> um, so mm-hmm. I was really glad that I did not be so stubborn and took the pain medication. And my healing as far, I didn't listen to any of the instructions. Um, I didn't really give them a chance to give me any instructions on, like, how to sit up or how to get out of bed or like what to do recovery-wise, and that, that gave me quite a bit of trouble. I had like quite a few problems with my stitches because I didn't lie down and didn't rest properly. So it took a little bit longer. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you've mentioned that sort of immediately afterwards you didn't have any negative sort of feelings coming up, come up about your birth as, as the months went on. Um, did that continue or did you, yeah, I guess... Even now, how do you feel about that birth experience? I honestly was like, had no grief. And then my friend, I remember the first time ever experiencing grief was my friend had the same midwife as me and she had a home birth maybe a few months after me. Might have been a bit even later. And up until that point, I was like, oh, like there's no trauma in this at all. Like everything's fine. Like it was great. And I was really surprised that I didn't feel sad. But then when my friend called me, with her to tell me that she'd had her baby at home with the same midwife I had, I it, it hit me. <laughs> and I felt, like, really awful because I was so happy for my friend, but I felt like that's so unfair. Um, I can remember feeling, like, just really devastated after that phone call for the first time in, like, months. I don't know, almost six months after I had Arrow and just feeling, yeah, like I got ripped off. Mm. Yeah, and I guess... I didn't really sit with that too much. I actually had more grief going through the story before calling you because I realised I didn't really think about it. I was kind of like, oh, well, you know, it's done. I don't need to process it that much. And when I was going through the story, it's still kind of, you know, there's little pieces there that I'm like, you always, well, for me, I guess, you always feel a little bit bummed, like a little bit robbed of, you know, the experience you wanted. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's such huge experiences in the story of your life and they'll keep coming up over and over again. That's how I feel for sure. Yeah, they do. They just keep coming up and I've gotten comfortable with that. And I, if anything, I, it's nice to know, like, I mean, I understand what my mum must feel like every time she hears a natural birth story and, I, and she says still sometimes, like, it, it sucks. Mm. Yeah, and then just in the interest of time, we might move on to Micah's birth. Um, so I think, is there two years between them? Yeah, two years. Yeah. Like almost just, like a few months. Yeah, lovely. And was he, uh, he or she? I don't know. He. Sorry, <laughs> my, like, my neutral name. No, yeah, I love it. It's he's great. A he. He's a he. Beautiful. I just got them the wrong way around. <laughs> um, and was he a planned pregnancy? Yes and no. So we had talked, um, me and my husband had, when Arrow was, I, I can't remember what what age it is, one and a bit, we had been, like, thinking about having another baby and we were going to do the same as Arrow, like, just just not be safe and hope for the best. 
And um, I can remember talking, having that conversation that night, and then the next day I was like, I think I'm already pregnant. I just had a feeling. <laughs> I had a feeling, not from the night before, but I just had a feeling like the next day and I did a pregnancy test and it was positive. And I was like, oh, well. <laughs> and I can just remember thinking that was really funny. And just so lucky you'd already had the conversation. <laughs> I know. <laughs> giving it to my husband and being like, oh, don't worry about trying because we're already <laughs> pregnant. And, I'm, you know, it's good that we were both on board with that. Yeah, lovely. And um, did you decide to go for the same midwife as the last time? Well, my husband had just taken a job, um, not just, but was taking a job in Western Australia. So I had um, I had thought that I would go with a different midwife, mainly only because I realised that because I'm not a researcher and I'm not a, I need someone that's really like, likes to inform you during birth (laughs) and so I had thought maybe I'd find a better fit for my personality but when I was moving I had just reached out to her and asked if she wouldn't mind doing care up until just before 20 weeks or just after 20 weeks because I was moving and she was really great and she was like that's no problem and she like helped me set up all those things without taking me on as like a formal client like just give me referrals for blood tests and things. Okay yeah. And then, yeah, when you moved to WA, did you sort of research in advance and find a midwife over there or how did you, um, yeah, find a care provider? I think we came over when I was about 25 weeks and I didn't do any research. I obviously didn't learn from my first birth. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just am not that type of person and I just come to terms with that and just thought I'll build my birth team around that, knowing that about myself. Um, so I, at, when I, when I got here about 25 weeks, I just like put a post on a midwife page on Facebook, just saying, looking for a VBAC home birth midwife in Perth, Western Australia, because I know that some midwives are a little bit hesitant to take VBAC sometimes. And I just wanted to, you know, get someone that was well on board with the, with the VBAC scenario. And um, a lady reached out and she wrote her name. There wasn't a whole bunch of options. And I ended up linking up a meeting with her and I really liked her, like, instantly. She was super informative and um, she just spoke really clearly and well and I just I just, just went with her. As I said, I don't like shopping around. She said, oh, like, you know, shop around. And I was like, nah. <laughs> I was like, it's really hard for me to get organised as it is. And I'm already quite far into my pregnancy by this point. So I was really happy that she was really awesome. And I didn't have to meet up with anybody else. (laughs) And did she, yeah, did you guys sort of work together a little bit through your last birth and on a bit of a plan for this birth? Or were you just in the same kind of mindset of just seeing what happened? Yeah, mate. <laughs> I'm getting the picture here slowly. I just laugh at myself. I'm like, I was like, nah, everything's fine, so cool. And just like really like they used to just laugh. They'd be like, are you sure you don't have any questions? I'm like, no, I don't have any questions. <laughs> the one question I did have for her, which I was diligent about asking about, was how hands-on is she? Um, and I had said, look, that was my only worry that like I could be in the bath for hours and hours and not have someone be like, get out (laughs) or like, you know, get out. It's going to slow your labor down. Or like, just give me really tips that I hadn't researched or didn't know for myself or forgot in the moment. And so I had said to her like, Oh, I just wanted to know what she was like and whether she would be really hands-on or whether she would prefer me to hire a doula. Um, And she had said to me like, well, you can hire a doula, but I pretty much do the the job of a doula and a midwife. Like I'm very hands-on and I'm very informative and and I, I was like, cool, and I was really happy with that, just hearing it be like, you know, I've got your back in that and you can be unorganised and unresearched and I'll still let you know what's <laughs> happening. Mm. Yeah, she was great. Yeah, wonderful. And how were you feeling in that pregnancy? We didn't really talk about whether you had the same kind of morning sickness, but, yeah, did you feel I, well um, I was sick, but it was so much better. Like, in, like in range of sicknesses with Arrow, I was so ill. But with Micah, I, I still was throwing up. But I just threw up once, and I just carried on, and I didn't feel nauseous after I vomited like all day. And that was so manageable for me. But it went into about 20 weeks, maybe a little bit longer. So it got longer as it 
progressed. Um, but it was fine. It was so much more manageable than Arrow's sickness. So I was mm. pretty happy with that. Yeah. And what were some of the early signs of your labour starting with him? Michael went to 42 weeks in one day. Mm. <laughs> and um, I that last two weeks of my pregnancy was actually the best two weeks of my whole pregnancy. I really enjoyed them. Maybe it was because my husband was home and I just rested a lot. <laughs> Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah, I just was like, just like milk. I'm like not milking it, but he would just take Arrow out every day to the playground and take her out, and I would just like lounge around. It was really nice. Oh, that'd be bliss with a toddler. <laughs> oh, it was so nice. I was so appreciative of that. Um, and so early signs of labour, I ended up, my midwife um, had not mentioned before that she obviously you kind of are on call to 42 weeks and she was like willing to go over that by a small fraction but she was actually leaving the country um okay (laughs) she was going to italy i think um at like i don't know 42 and three i just remember being really close to when my actual labor happened and also the fact that I couldn't be induced because of my previous Caesar. So she, about, I think, almost at 42 weeks past, she said to me, like, this is the first time she ever brought it up, and she said, look, I um, didn't want to add any fear in, and I kind of really had thought you would have gone into labour by now. But um, if, if you don't go into labour by the time I leave, like, you know, here's some of your options. I had a really awesome second midwife who was like, you, we can free birth. And I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I don't know it would have been fine with Micah's birth. But, um, yeah, I was. I remember just being like, oh, no, and started panicking a little bit then. And she said, look, how about I come over? I had a, I had a scan that you have to have when you're 42 weeks. I don't think you have to have it, but my midwife was like, maybe you should have it, just make sure everything's okay with Micah and make sure his, like, cord's okay and all that. And that scan was fine. Everything was good. Everything was fine. And and then she said, look, um, if you're open to it, maybe we'll do a stretch and sweep after that and hopefully it'll get things kicking along. And because I didn't really have many other options other than free birthing if she had to leave the country. <laughs> I was kind of like, yeah, okay. Um, so she came over and she did a stretch and sweep, which I definitely would prefer to give birth and get one of those. They're awful. <laughs> uh, and did she, were you dilated at all at that point or did she? No, no. Not, there was nothing. I was like, this kid's not coming out. <laughs> um, and so she did the stretch and sweep and she recommended having sex, which was like my worst nightmare at that point. I was like, no. <laughs> Especially after you've just had a stretch and sweep. Oh, too. <laughs> it's so awful. But apparently, like, there's something about, like, semen and your cervix and, like, it's actually a scientific, like, softening of your cervix. And I was like, oh, like, begrudgingly. And then um, that would have been, yeah, the next day, 42 and 1, the next day after following those instructions, I woke up and I was like, oh, nothing's happening. Like, this is a bit scary now. And I was kind of like had a walk and a cry and just had registered that, well, I'm just going to have to book in a cesarean, which is like complete opposite from what I planned. And I went to the shop and I hate shopping. I can't can't imagine why I would find myself in a shopping mall. But I I suddenly (laughs) needed some pyjamas. I felt this really random urge to go and get some comfortable pyjamas. And I started having contractions in the shopping centre and they were so intense that I <laughs> that I was just like keeling over on the walls <laughs> on the way back to the car, like trying to get home. Wow. And I was like, oh, like in my mind because Arrow's labour was like three days and 20 hours and four hours of pushing, I was like, oh, this is probably just like the very beginning of like <laughs> the longest time ever. But it was so much more intense already than Arrow's was. So I got in the car and I got home after buying my pyjamas um, and I stepped over the front door of the house and my water broke as I was, like, stepping inside and I just can remember being like, thank God that didn't happen in the supermarket <laughs> or wherever I was buying pyjamas from. And I called my midwife and I had a midwife. I had an appointment that day 
And we had always joked that, like, I would, because I was like, they're like, oh, you're so cruisy, I'll probably rock up for an appointment and you'll be just in labour and you'll have the baby that day. And so, yeah, she's like, had an appointment at about 2 o'clock and I think it was maybe, like, 1 o'clock at this point and they rocked up at 2 and I was, like, pretty far into active labour by that point. And, yeah, you mentioned that it felt different. It was more intense than the last time. Was that... Did that kind of continue the whole way through? Like it, they were, the contractions were just a lot stronger? Or? Yeah, I think because I didn't have my water broken till the very end with Arrow um, and there's that change in your contractions after your water's broken and because it broke first or that broke pretty much soon, like pretty straight, straight away into the active labour, they were really intense. And I had um, made a – this time I was a little bit more prepared and I'd made a playlist and I was going to use music – and breathing to get me through my contractions. So I was sitting, I was kneeling over the couch at this point. I had my music in. My sister had come over to watch Arrow because I really wanted her to be there at the birth, and obviously my husband was there. So it was just me, my sister, my husband, and then the midwives rocked up together. They rocked up for the appointment. So my second midwife had just come around anyway. And I just listened to music and it was like, even though it was so much more intense than Arrow's labour, I just was having a really good time. <laughs> like it just, I don't know, just felt a lot more like, I don't know, there was no time to be worried about how long it was going to be or whatever because it was, I was just in the zone and it was a really nice feeling. Mm. And did your midwife do any checks when she arrived? No, she came in and um, immediately just started massaging my back and she, like, spent three hours, like, just massaging my back through my contractions, which was so nice. Were you surprised that you enjoyed that? You were saying you didn't I was so surprised. I was, like, and I I think if my husband had tried to do it, I might have been, like, see ya. (laughs) But, um... She obviously, at being a midwife, knows like how to massage to help with um, the surges and stuff, and it was just really nice. And I didn't even notice, to be honest. I had earphones in, I didn't speak, and I had my eyes closed for the entire labour. And I can remember getting about three hours in and being like, oh, I'm, I can remember saying, I'm really tired and I'm not quite sure how I'm going to continue doing this for the next four days. <laughs> and she was like, "Oh, I don't, I don't think we're gonna be doing this for the next four days." Um, but that's where my mind was. I guess I was thinking like I'll still be here for four days. She actually suggested getting into the pool at that point. Um, I had set up a birth pool and my husband had filled that up, and I got in and I just hated it. And my labour stopped immediately. Like as soon as I got in, it was just off. And it just didn't feel right. And I felt really like I couldn't ground myself. So I um I tried I tried to labor in there for like maybe like ten minutes and then I just got out. I couldn't I didn't like it and my labor was yeah, it slowed right down in there. But as soon as I got out it was it ramped back up again. So it must be something about me in pools. <laughs> um and yeah. Yeah, so after you got out of the water, I mean, at what point did you start feeling the urge to push? So I was in labour for about three hours and I'd just gotten out of the pool and I had, I think my body just started pushing this time, which was a really different experience to me because the first time I had, you know, just kind of took upon myself to push. So my body had started pushing at this phase, this stage, and I think I had pushed for about 20 minutes and I had started... I was just pushing and I was still thinking, like, it's going to be days. I was In my mind, I can still remember thinking, like, this doesn't guarantee anything. And my midwife just said to me, she just looked at me and she said, look, I've been watching you push and I don't think you're pushing properly. I think you're pushing through, like, if you picture pushing through your vagina instead of through, like, like you're doing a poo or whatever she said to me. And I was like, as soon as she said that, I was like, Oh, I'm being a con- I'm trying to control like where these pushes are going instead of just like pushing out through my bum and like letting them just happen. And she also had got me to just release and let go of I'm not going to get a baby. I'm going to push and not get a baby. And so after I had said that to myself and just said like 
I'm going to get my baby just because, you know, I'm not going to be pushing and not get a baby and I just release that fear. I still pushed for another half an hour, but after she had noticed my pushing incorrectly, like he was moving, like I could feel him moving down. And I can remember him getting to the crowning point and she was saying to me like, now this might sting a little and I can just remember saying like, this is probably the best feeling in the world. Like this feeling to me is like I'm getting my dream and I'm going to have my baby at home and just it was such an elating feeling for me. It was like like that feeling was like me being able to believe that I wasn't going to get transferred to hospital and that I was I was having this baby at home. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was really great. So beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, really special. And uh, he was born not long after that? Yeah, it was really, the pushing process was really, like, other than that first, that, like, hour of me, like, letting go of fear and learning to, like, push correctly, like, as soon as I started pushing correctly and his head started crowning, he just kind of slid out and I didn't tear or anything, which was so lovely. I think I got a graze from his hand being up by his head. But, um, yeah, it was it was super beautiful. And did your um, partner catch him? Your husband? No, my midwife's. This is like, again, something like this time I'm like, I'm going to catch my baby and I'm going to think about it and be a bit more intentional. But um, my midwife passed him through my legs to me because I was kneeling, like squat kneeling on the floor. And so I had just brought him up through my legs and my husband was just kneeling beside us and Arrow was there as well, actually. And it was really beautiful. We'd called her in and she was like, oh, it's my brother. Well, did you know that he was going to be a boy? Yeah, we found out it was going to be a boy quite early on, so she was really stoked to be able to see that. And she just kept saying, it's a baby. Mm. Oh, so cute. <laughs> oh, it was beautiful. Mm. And what was, yeah, what was that first few hours like this time around being at home? Oh, gosh, for the first, like, ten minutes, I was just, like, laugh crying because I was just really overwhelmed with, like, getting the outcome that I wanted. And I was just like, obviously so joyful to have my baby, but I was just like still in disbelief that I had just like had my baby at home on the floor. And I remember getting up onto the couch and breastfeeding and being a little bit too eager maybe to like tell people. <laughs> and it was like, whoa, whoa, slow down. Um, but I remember just messaging my mum and just letting her know that we had the baby and everything was cool. And, and then my after pain started. And um, I wasn't, I had no experience of this, obviously, with Arrow being a caesarean. And I was, like, not that stoked. <laughs> I think they get worse each time as well, so might have been. Yeah, I just got straight into the second dose. And I can remember saying to my midwife, like, what is this? <laughs> Feeling really ripped off, like I'd just done all this work. And then I was like, What? Um, and, of course, because I've done no reading, I wouldn't have had a clue anyway. <laughs> um, and so I was kind of really, like, I had a bit of a bad attitude about those. And my midwife kept saying to me, thank the placenta and just let it go. And I was kind of like, <laughs> And I begrudgingly suffered through those. And it was, yeah, um, that, it was really painful. And I remember thinking, like, my birth was like a piece of cake compared to these things. <laughs> And, mm. like, the pushing and, the like, crowning everything, like, they were the, by far my least enjoyed experience. Um, but, yeah, I, they were intense. And my, I think my placenta took about 20 minutes. Like, it didn't even take that long. And once it was out, like, it was so lovely. And a few hours after I'd had him, um, my parents came around and I was just in my own bed with a cup of tea and it was like six o'clock because my labour was only four hours, including pushing, and I was like just in bed with my kid, with Arrow and my baby and Jasper, and it was just really beautiful and really peaceful. Mm. Sounds amazing and, yeah, just exactly what you were hoping for. Yeah, it was the best. It was such a beautiful healing experience, I guess, a healing experience that I didn't know that I needed until I had it. Mm. Yeah, and you're pregnant again now. Yeah, yep. 
I'm at oh, 28 weeks now. Oh, so exciting. <laughs> we'll have to have you back at some point to I share that story that. as well. Yeah, that would be beautiful. Have you? Are you still living in Perth at the moment? I'm in, actually in Bustleton down in the southwest. Ah, okay. I've never heard of that before. <laughs> Little coast town with the giant jetty. Mm, beautiful. Well, yeah, lovely. Thank you so much for sharing your stories. It was so beautiful to hear and I feel like there's going to be a lot of listeners who are going to be excited to hear a VBAC story and hear about both of your beautiful births. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's episode with Tony. If you'd like to see some photos from Arrow and Micah's births, head over to my Instagram, which is at keepbirthwild.podcast. There's a beautiful photo of the joy on Tony's face after um, Micah's birth. So you make sure you check that photo out. It's just absolutely beautiful. And I'll be bringing another episode to you next week if all goes to plan. So make sure you click subscribe on your podcast app so that that one pops up automatically. Thank you.